The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices? I don't have to show you any stinking vices! This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, to breaking news right now on the Chris Salcedo Show, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, making comments after his meeting with the head of NATO. Let's listen in. From 12 to 28. On Monday, I signed the protocol to approve the 29th, the country of Montenegro. In the coming months and years, I'll work closely with all of our NATO allies to enhance this partnership and to adapt to the challenges of the future, of which there will be many. This includes upgrading NATO to focus on today's most pressing security and all of its challenges, including migration and terrorism. We must also work together to resolve the disaster currently taking place in Syria. We are grateful for the support of NATO members and partners in their condemnation of Assad's murderous attack using the most horrible weapons, the vicious slaughter of innocent civilians with chemical weapons, including the barbaric killing of small and helpless children and babies, must be forcefully rejected by any nation that values human life. It is time to end this brutal civil war, defeat terrorists, and allow refugees to return home. In facing our common challenges, we must also ensure that NATO members meet their financial obligations and pay what they owe. Many have not been doing that. The Secretary General and I agree that other member nations must satisfy their responsibility to contribute 2 percent of GDP to defense. If other countries pay their fair share instead of relying on the United States to make up the difference, We will all be much more secure, and our partnership will be made that much stronger. The Secretary General and I had a productive discussion about what more NATO can do in the fight against terrorism. I complained about that a long time ago, and they made a change. And now they do fight terrorism. I said it was obsolete. It's no longer obsolete. 
It's my hope that NATO will take on an increased role in supporting our Iraqi partners in their battle against ISIS. I'm also sending General McMaster to Afghanistan to find out how we can make progress alongside our Afghan partners and NATO allies. Every generation has strived to adopt the NATO alliance to meet the challenges of their times. And on my visit to Brussels this spring, which I look very much forward to, we will work together to do the same. We must not be trapped by the tired thinking that so many have, but apply new solutions to face new circumstances. And that's all throughout the world. We're not here to stand on ceremony, but to develop real strategies to achieve safety, security, and peace. We're here to protect the freedom and prosperity of our citizens and to give them the future they so richly deserve. Secretary General, I'm honored to have you here today and to reaffirm our commitment to this alliance and to the enduring values that we proudly and I mean very proudly, share. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. President of the United Thank States uh, talking uh, to the Secretary General of NATO. And basically, you guys heard all the themes that we had just talked about uh, before, we, uh, uh, before we got into the break about, about NATO and its importance. Actually, during the flip around, NATO, its importance, how Trump had uh, done some missteps, but also in uh, insisted that they pay and they upgrade, they fight terrorism, which is... Again, all of these themes he didn't go back on, and it looks like NATO and, and some of the member countries are starting to, to step up. And as much as I despise the term fair share because it was so misapplied during the Obama administration, here I think it was applicable. 2% of GDP was supposed to be dedicated to their NATO obligations, and a lot of countries were shirking on that responsibility because the United States was such an economic powerhouse. But uh, looks like that's changing. And also, <laughs> did you guys catch the part where the president was saying, yeah, well, you know what? Now they're not obsolete anymore. <laughs> All because of me. Um, that was interesting. Uh, telephone numbers, 888-900-3393, 888-900-3393. Some more breaking news. Uh, Charlie Murphy has passed away. You guys remember, uh, do you know who Charlie Murphy is? Ellie, do you know? Eddie Murphy's brother? No. <laughs> is he? Is he Eddie Murphy's brother? That's I didn't what know somebody that. told me in the studio. Oh, really? I, I'm, well, I, he, he, well, I actually kind of res now. That I think about it. He does kind of resemble, but he was he was on the Chappelle show. He was a favorite of the Chappelle. Well, he's passed away, age fifty-seven. Good grief! Uh, I'm not sure what's up with that, but that's that's just breaking here over the last couple of minutes. Uh, I I'm not going to spend much time on this because we got to get to Senator Cruz coming up next. But I will say this about Sean Spicer and this gaffe of his. And it was a gaffe. At least he was a man about it and said, you know what, I said something stupid. It was dumb. And you know what, I shouldn't have said it. Should, you should, a lesson to all conservatives. Don't, don't invoke Hitler. You can't get away with it. Only libs can. <laughs> okay? But as, as the country wants to, you know, Nancy Pelosi calling for his resignation, you know, the guy, the guy misspeaks, uh, talking off the cuff about the Holocaust, which is never a good idea. And he owned it. Um, and the, 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 the basket of biased press had a field day. 
Oddly enough, I didn't hear any of the basket of bias talking about a liberal making a gaffe yesterday. You have just heard from President Mullen that in answer to the question, do you think elected officials should pursue personal friendships with members of other parties? I would answer that question with a resounding yes. I thought back to the 1993 confirmation of my nomination to the court. The hearing was altogether civil. The vote was 96 to 3. For Justice Scalia, the vote was unanimous. Let's hope members of Congress, the members that Allegheny College has already honored, Vice President Joe Biden and Senator John McCain, the women of the Senate, Senators Dianne Feinstein and Lindsey Graham. <laughs> the women of the Senate. Diane Feinstein and Lindsey Graham. <laughs> That's uh, justice, folks. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg making a gaffe of her own yesterday. Didn't get a lot of coverage. Uh, back in a minute, folks. It's the Chris Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. Hell, storms are coming. It's not just a show. It's a force of nature. Hashtag Salcedo Storm. The Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to the Latino conservative, Chris Salcedo, on the Blaze Radio Network. The women of the Senate, Senators Dianne Feinstein and Lindsey Graham. <laughs> That's Justice Ginsburg. This woman is in charge of deciding constitutionality, and she thinks that uh, Lindsey Graham is a woman. Welcome back, everybody. It's, it's the Chris Salcedo Show. I want to welcome our next guest, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Welcome back to the Chris Salcedo Show. Chris, good morning. Good to be with you. Um, let, let's start off on the high court, shall we? I know that you, you were the one ringing the bell uh, pretty loudly about all of the treachery the Democrats have been, have been dishing out over these, over these years. They were always the ones pushing the envelope, and it always seemed to be the Republicans just saying, no, 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 we have to be statesmanlike. We have to, uh, to exercise decorum. And finally, I think it reached critical mass and a lot of we conservatives finally felt represented when the Democrats got a taste of their own medicine with uh, the, the breaking of the filibuster and the nuclear option and putting Gorsuch on the court. What say you? Well, last week was a big, big deal. Uh, it was a major victory. It was a major victory for President Trump. It was a major victory for conservatives and it was a major victory for the American people. Um, it, it was February of last year when Justice Scalia passed. And, and Justice Scalia had been a lion of the law, a, a, a truly legendary justice. And at the time, the Republican majority made clear that we were not going to fill the vacancy in the middle of a presidential election. Rather, we were going to let the people decide the direction of the court. 
And and the two candidates promised very different directions for the court. Uh, this, this was the most transparent Supreme Court justice selection process in history. Uh, President Trump promised to nominate a justice in the mold of Justice Scalia. He put out a specific list of 21 individuals from whom he would nominate. So the voters had the list of exactly the 21 who would be considered. Neil Gorsuch was one of those 21. On the other hand, Hillary Clinton promised to nominate liberal judicial activists who would vote to undermine our free speech rights, undermine our religious liberty, undermine our Second Amendment rights. And this election, in a very real sense, was a referendum on the direction of the Supreme Court. And and the people of Texas and, and the people of the country overwhelmingly chose a principled originalist on the court who will protect the Constitution and Bill of Rights. Last week, we confirmed Judge Gorsuch, and that, that's a great victory for all of us who cherish and revere the rule of law. Now, uh, this is something I would favor when your political opposition shoots themselves in the foot, as I believe the Democrats did in filibustering. I think it's, it's incumbent on the other party to take full advantage of it. Would you recommend, if, if, if you have the president's ear on this, uh, the, the, the next vacancy on the court be filled with a another strict constructionist, somebody who is uh, somebody who's a, a, a rock ribbed conservative uh, jurist in the in the uh, in the vein of a Justice Scalia. And, and because the Democrats now at this point have nothing to say about it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think we're likely to see another vacancy potentially as soon as the summer. I think we'll see a vacancy either this summer or next summer. And. You know, on one level, the, the, the Gorsuch seat w- was simply playing defense. We're not going to get a justice who's better than Justice Scalia. He was as good as it gets. And, and so nominating Justice Gorsuch, we could now hope, is, is maintaining the status quo, keeping a strong conservative in that seat. The next vacancy, the odds are significant. It, it would change the balance on the court and, and have the potential for a significantly more conservative court. And, and if that's the case, we can fully anticipate that the Democrats will treat it like Armageddon. They will fire every weapon they have. And, and I think it is critical that, that President Trump keep his promise. When he, made, when he made that promise, it wasn't just the Scalia seat. He said that every one of his Supreme Court justices would be in the mold of Justice Scalia. I, I expect him to keep that promise. All of us do. And, and I'm certainly going to work closely with the president and the administration to help them honor that promise for every vacancy that occurs. Texas Senator Ted Cruz, our guest right now on the Chris Salcedo Show. Uh, You have been referred to, sir, in uh, the last 12 to to 16 hours as one of the conservative big guns. And I think we we can see that. And and know that you are uh, one of the uh, one of the standard bearers of of Reagan-esque conservatism in this country. You were called to duty, if you will, up in the Kansas Fourth uh, with a the the election to replace Mike Pompeo, who was now a CIA director. And it was right. closer than many political observers had thought. And reading the tea leaves in the country, and I think you've already made allusion to this that that the country was so tired of the extremist left-wing progressive tilt that we had taken the last eight years under Obama. They're very impatient to get back to being America again. And that the, the, the foot dragging on the repeal of Obamacare and, and, and budget concerns and all of this and tax reform, the perception is that there maybe is a little steam being lost. And, and do you think that's why Kansas's fourth was a little more competitive than conservatives would like? 
Well, look, I, I think the election was certainly a, a warning sign. And, and the reason I went up this week, went up on Monday uh, to campaign there is, is that we had a vacant congressional seat and, and the numbers, it was looking close. It was looking like there was a chance that, 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 that a Democrat could win. And, and an additional Democrat in the House makes it much harder to repeal Obamacare, to have to pass tax reforms, to, to lessen the burdens of Washington on small businesses and job creators. And so I flew up to Wichita and, and, and campaigned with Ron Estes, who was the candidate there, and tried to energize and, and, and turn out voters to come out and vote yesterday. And, you know, I think part of the reason for caution, and we saw this play out, is on the left, the, the radical left, is is filled with fury right now. Uh, I, I mean, they're they're blind with rage. Uh, as a result, they're energized. They will crawl over broken glass, uh, and <laughs> and we knew they would show up, and they did show up. Uh, on the right, one of the dangers, particularly in a special election. I mean, you know, an election April 11th. You know, most normal people aren't paying attention to politics that closely. You know, they're they're going to work and going to school and raising their kids. And the danger was that many good conservative Kansans just wouldn't wouldn't pay much attention to the election and wouldn't show up. And, and so I wanted to do everything I could to help turnout. But, Chris, you raised the important point. If we want to win elections, whether these special elections for congressional seats or the elections coming up in November 2018, the way to do it is deliver on our promises. And, and, and that is what I am urging every day, President Trump and leaders in both houses, we've got to do what we said we would do. The voters have given us something rare and historic, control of the White House, every executive agency in both houses of Congress. We don't have any excuses. And, and so I am rolling up my sleeves and working night and day trying to bring Republicans together so that we can finally repeal the disaster that is Obamacare, so that we can do major tax reform, ideally a flat tax, and abolish the IRS, we can do an enormous amount of good if we come together and focus on common principles, and, and that's what I'm trying to do. Let me ask you to look into your crystal ball then. Uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz, our guest right now, if those big issues, you, you talked about tax reform, you talked about Obamacare, and I, I talked about earlier this morning uh, the the, the the funding of the wall. There's there there is something going on in the ether that certain Republicans are are seeking to deny Donald Trump funding for the for the border wall and securing that southern border. If if the Republican Party doesn't deliver on that, will that also be one of these uh, issues that would threaten the Republican majority? Now look, of course we need to deliver on that, and and my message to my colleagues is very simple. Let's do what we said we would do. Let's behave in April the same way we said we would behave in November. Uh, that disconnect is why people are so furious with Washington, so frustrated with Washington, as we keep electing people who say one thing on the campaign trail and then behave differently in Washington. And, and, and th this is a moment in time where we are poised for this to be one of the most productive Congresses in history. Uh, let's take Obamacare, for example. Uh, Obamacare, uh, obviously, the, the effort to repeal it hits, hit, hit a rocky patch. Uh, the House bill that was introduced was pulled down from the floor because it didn't have the votes. Now, I, I would urge a, a, a bit of perspective on this, that it took Obama 14 months to pass Obamacare. 
the House bill was on the House floor for a total of 18 days. <laughs> you can't pass major legislation impacting one-fifth of the economy in 18 days. And it was a mistake to try to jam it through and just, just bludgeon the opposition into submission. I think what right. we need to do is come together and not only repeal Obamacare, but we need to get it right. We need to fix the problem. And, Chris, the test for success will be whether or not we lower health insurance premiums. The biggest reason people hate Obamacare is millions of Texans are hurting under Obamacare because it has made our premiums skyrocket. If we succeed, we will lower premiums. My biggest concern with the House bill that was introduced, it didn't do enough to lower premiums, but we can get that right. And I believe failure is not an option. I hope and believe we'll get there. I've got about 30 seconds, Senator. Um, I just wanted to quickly address there is a uh, carrier group heading toward North Korea right now, a show yes. of strength that we didn't see in the uh, Obama era. And all of a sudden, President Xi Jinping says, hey, we're committed to peace. Uh, isn't this uh, a confirmation, if you will, of the axiom peace through strength? Well, it certainly may be. North Korea is probably the most dangerous place on Earth right now. You've got an extremely unstable dictator, Kim Jong-un with an arsenal of nuclear weapons. So, so we need to proceed cautiously. But if China is actually acting to rein in North Korea, that is a very good development. And you're right. I, I think dictators and bullies and tyrants respect strength and not weakness. Obama was weak, and that's why the bad guys on the earth ran all over him. Yep. Texas Senator Ted Cruz, sir, it's always an honor to speak with you, sir. Come back soon. Chris, thank you, my friend. And let me encourage your listeners, always come to tedcruz.org, tedcruz.org. TedCruz.org. Very well. We got that in there, folks. The requisite three-time mention. Be right back. 888-900-3393. The Chris Salcedo Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. Moments ago from the President of the United States as he was wrapping up a press conference with the NATO Secretary General. Get rid of most of those problems and there won't be fear of anybody. That's the way it should be. We have a very big problem in North Korea and as I said, uh, I really think that China is going to try very hard and has already started. A lot of the coal boats have already been turned back. You saw that yesterday and today. They've been turned back the vast amount of coal that comes out of North Korea going to China, they've turned back the boats. That's a big step, and there have many other steps that I know about. So we'll see what happens. It may be effective. It may not be effective. It's not effective. Uh, we will be effective. I can promise you that. <laughs> well, uh, the well, look, China's doing stuff. Uh, we, we brought this up. Wow, this is kind of weird. Hold on a second. That today, he said he no longer thinks it's obsolete. Didn't really provide a whole lot of uh, of insights as to why that attitude has changed. Although you you know, Jake and I know that a lot of foreign policy, uh, you know, s smart minds out there have impressed upon this president that no, you can't abandon the NATO alliance. Not after death. <laughs> yeah, because he's not smart. Oh, that's that's CNN's coverage, folks. The reason I was, the reason I was doing a double take 
is that the way the shot was framed with Mr. Acosta there on CNN, there was another reporter, I mean, standing almost shoulder to shoulder with the guy. And she was talking, I guess, allegedly into another camera. (laughs) And it looked like she was looking right at the CNN camera. It was like, Two people speaking at the same time. All I saw was their lips moving, and I'm thinking to myself, what is that all about? So all you could hear was Jim Acosta, but that's that's why I wanted to dip in and see what was going on there. Uh, Back to the president's comments. China's moving. China's... China recognizing that there is an American carrier group steaming toward their region. The last thing they want. And I'm sure that Mr. Trump said, look, I know... The last thing that you want there is an American presence. So you're going to have to show us something. But we're going to be, this, this guy is firing off missiles that potentially could reach the West Coast of the United States. He is a threat to us and we're going to take care of him if you don't. So we're going to have a carrier group there ready to strike at him if he decides he wants to get squirrely. In the meantime, do everything you can to make us go home faster. Do everything you can to make sure the United States goes home. So, anyway, there's also, uh, I'm seeing this, I've never, I haven't been able to catch it yet, folks, but apparently there was in the United Nations today, I'm hoping to get sound for this for later in the week, I, um, I might as well tell you guys now, I have, uh, I have an urgent matter that I have to attend to tomorrow, so we'll have a best of show on. But uh, apparently there was a dust up at the United Nations today between the Brits and the Russians. And this is this is back to Cold War stuff. And um, they got into a little bit of a spat right there in the United Nations Security Council. <laughs> it was uh, I, I keep on missing it. So I um I'm I'm hoping I can find that a little bit later on the day. But at any rate, um so I, this is this is the way I think this is all playing out. And the reason why I think uh, the president's decision to strike Syria, the timing, having the president of China, Xi Jinping, on American soil was was so crucial because now the use of force is credible once again in the United States. It wasn't when, when President Obama was up there, it was never credible. He, everybody knew he wasn't going to lift a finger to defend this nation, defend our allies. For eight years, he made every excuse not to do that. Mr. Trump says, well, uh, sorry, there are certain international norms that must be adhered to. Barack Obama would just lecture. You know, if we could force Kim Jong-un to listen to Obama lecture him for a day or two, nonstop that might beat him into submission because if anybody is forced to listen to resident obama's tones for so many so many days so many hours that would be that'd be enough to beat anybody into submission but when it came as a practical matter the credible use of force provided by the united states military has been a deterrent to thugs despots dictators and communists for many a decade um Something that uh, the former occupant of the Oval Office didn't have a firm grasp of or didn't believe in, which was glowingly apparent. 888 So things could be changing there as, as China does something. Senators McCain and Graham calling for greater military action in Syria. <laughs> so what? 
So what? Um, there doesn't need to be greater military action in Syria from the United States. We need to have perhaps greater military action from, as I mentioned earlier, our Middle Eastern partners, their troops, their occupying armies, and our logistic support and full-throated support. But uh, this, this is this one. If you're going to replace Bashar al-Assad, he'd better be he'd better be replaced by somebody from Jordan, or somebody that Jordan approves of, or somebody that Egypt approves of, or Saudi Arabia. And don't and folks, don't forget the geopolitical strategy here. This would be a tremendous blow to Russia. This would be a tremendous blow to Iran to take out Bashar al-Assad and replace it with. Can you guys imagine a Sunni? Sunni leadership? Talk about it. I mean, Russia has appreciated having having the the Alawite regime there. And that's with whom they've been dealing. It's why they, it's, you know, there is a strategic value to being there and also an economic value for Russia, but I don't know if it's worth all this. But maybe Putin feels it's it is regardless of what i think about it but uh putin obviously thinks it is so uh we will see that situation i i would urge the president to resist any calls from john mccain or lindsey graham to expand america's presence inside of syria Uh, we need to be an organizing force so that Saudi Arabia increases its presence in Syria, so that Jordan increases its presence in Syria, so that Egypt and perhaps the Turks increase their presence inside of Syria. And we can be there for moral and air support and logistics support and uh, maybe some support troops to help coordinate things and run things. But um, no, no boots on the ground for combat because we can't be the face of this thing. We can't be the face of this thing. If we want a lasting peace, if we want something that's real to replace Bashar al-Assad. Uh, Trump was talking to Fox Business on China yesterday, and this, is, this was yesterday, uh, it was pre-recorded with Maria Bartiromo, and uh, played today. Here's, here's uh, what the president had to say about China. What are we doing right now in terms of North Korea? You never know, do you? You never know. That's all you're going to you say. You know, I don't talk about the military. Yes. We are sending an armada, very powerful. We have submarines, very powerful, far more powerful than the aircraft carrier, that I can tell you. And we have the best military people on Earth. And I will say this. He is doing the wrong thing. Do you think he's mentally fit? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know him. Uh, but he's doing the wrong thing. I misspoke. I, uh, instead of Ch- Well, for all intents and purposes, it is China. But <laughs> he's talking about North Korea and the dictator Kim Jong-un. So while all this is going on, um, Trump also pivoted back to, to Syria and what's going on with Bashar al-Assad. Frankly, Putin is backing a person that's truly an evil person. And I think it's very bad for Russia. I think it's very bad for mankind. It's very bad for this world. 
But when you drop gas or bombs or barrel bombs, they have these massive barrels with dynamite and they drop them right in the middle of a group of people. And in all fairness, you see the same kids, no arms, no legs, no face. This is an animal. Yeah, he's talking about Assad. It's, it's true. Now, we mentioned this earlier. I, we shouldn't be lecturing Russia what's in their best interest. I don't care what's in Russia's best interest. I mean, that would be the message I would say. Putin, I don't care what your best interests are. Unless you want to work with us. If you want to work with us, then we'll talk. But at this point, the United States' best interest and freedom-loving people all over the world, our best interest is to make sure that savages, animals, as Mr. Mr. Trump put it, the president put it, don't have these types of weapons of war. And that they are punished when they use them. Now, all this is going on. Secretary Tillerson is meeting in Russia. And... Uh, Mr. Tillerson came out of his meeting with Sergei Lavrov and Vlad today and, and had this to say. We just came from a productive meeting, as you heard Foreign Minister Lavrov uh, mention, of about two hours with President Putin. We frankly discussed the current state of U.S.-Russia relations. I expressed the view that the current state of U.S.-Russia relations is at a low point. There is a low level of trust between our two countries. The world's two foremost nuclear powers cannot have this kind of relationship. Well, yes, we can. <laughs> and we've had this uh, a far worse relationship in years past. Remember, Mr. Tillerson, there was a, a thing called the Soviet Union. And we, uh, the situation has been far worse than this in history. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying let's just remember the perspective here. Uh, once Vladimir Putin is gone out of the leadership of Russia there might be a chance for these for these rifts to heal. I, I don't think it can happen while he's there because he has such animus and hatred toward the West. Uh, well, he's a former KGB guy, and they, they lost, and he, he harbors all of these animosities toward us. And, and frankly, I'm not really fond of him either, to be honest. I came up in the, in the Reagan era. Um, I, oh, where is that soundbite? Hold on, where... Let me let me finish out uh, Tillerson, then I'll find that soundbite. Hold on. We further discussed approaches to improving our channels of communication. We had a lengthy exchange of views regarding the situation in Syria and shared perspectives on possible ways forward. Earlier today, Foreign Minister Lavrov and I had a lengthy conversation about issues that require immediate attention and issues that require longer-term attention. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't find that soundbite. There, there was a Star Trek... <laughs> Selma that I was looking for. But long story short, you know, in, unless Vladimir Putin wants to work in a cooperative manner with the United States and recognize our priorities as well as his own and figure out a compromise, I'm not interested in working with him. Uh, uh, start phrasing our, our foreign policies. This is the right thing to do, and this is how America will act. If, if Russia wants to come along, fine. If they don't, then um, tough. We're going to act. Because Vladimir Putin acts that way now, folks. Vladimir Putin says, I don't care whether what I'm doing meets international norms like Barack Obama constantly complained about like a little girl. <laughs> Look at Russia behaving in the internet. They're isolating themselves. Who cares? Operate in your country's best interests until you get a willing partner over there. And then when they come crying to you saying you're hurting my best interests, well, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. 888 It's the Salcedo Show. I'll be right back. This is the Chris Salcedo Show.
only on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, in, the, in the time we have left today for our visit, I, let me just ask this question. Maybe you guys can answer on Twitter and uh, on email. If you want to go email, go Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show, Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. There is a story that's running on the blaze right now. Uh, report 21st Century Fox CEO James Murdoch wants O'Reilly off the air for good. Uh, there is... Um, there are other publications out there who are theorizing that, uh, that Bill O'Reilly's unscheduled or, or rather sudden vacation, we should say. He took vacation yesterday. <laughs> uh, it's, it's odd to take a vacation, you know, starting Wednesday of a week. I mean, I'm not saying it's without precedent. I'm just saying it's unusual. And many are theorizing that Bill O'Reilly will not be back. Now, it bears pointing out that advertisers for the O'Reilly Factor are fleeing like crazy. Um, but his his ratings are going through the roof, and this is all this is all resulting from this this revelation, this hit piece that was put out on him about all of the sexual harassment lawsuits that he had settled. Was there five, something like that, and. Uh, n- now, now it seems that, that that the long knives are out over at Fox with the sons of Mr. Murdoch, who are now in charge, uh, who are decidedly left wing. Um, so that's what's happening. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that there that there is a purge of conservatism over there. And that's what's behind this. But uh, there are folks who are over at at Fox. And don't forget why, how uh, Roger Ailes was ushered out of there because of a, of a sexual harassment scandal, too. And there's another lawsuit filed against him. So, I mean, the question is, do you think that Bill O'Reilly is done at the Fox News Channel? Or, or is this just a lot of wishful thinking from folks on the left? Remember, everybody, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by its government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Have yourselves a great day, folks. I'll see you back here for the Friday show on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on the Blaze Radio Network.